guys? It's been almost four months. It's time for me to tell you. I love you. Uh, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, if you're a guest with us especially, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we're in our second week of our series, sermon series, Becoming Like Jesus. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Ephesians 4. And we're going to look at our action in sanctification today, which is obedience. Yay! But let's begin by thinking about false advertising and Activia yogurt. So in 2000, Activia faced a lawsuit that claimed, uh, after they claimed, that their yogurt had, quote, special bacterial ingredients. And their yogurt sold for 30% more than similar yogurts because Activia essentially told consumers that their yogurt had special powers. These special powers were not scientifically proven, so they had to pay $45 million to settle a yogurt lawsuit. That's false advertising. In 2014, Red Bull was sued for $13 million for their tagline, Red Bull gives you wings. True. One of the people involved in the suit complained, and now I'm quoting from the article here, he was a regular consumer of Red Bull for 10 years, but he had not developed wings or shown any signs of improved intellectual or physical capabilities. That's pretty hilarious false advertising. And that's what came to my mind as I studied our passage for today, because false advertising is when a claim is made about something in order to make it inauthentically more appealing, right? False advertising is trying to make something more desirable by saying something about it that isn't true. And the point that I want us to consider as we go into our text for today is that likely all of us have been influenced at some point in our life by false advertising in the Christian faith. There's two extremes of false advertising in faith. Not just nod your head. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to stand. You don't have to cheer. Definitely don't cheer. <laughs> you don't want to do. Nod your head if you've ever heard this or some form of it. Christianity isn't about a religion. It's about a relationship. Yeah. And God sacrificed himself to have that relationship with you. And it's also false advertising. Nod your head if you've ever heard this. Christianity isn't about a bunch of do's and don'ts. You've heard this, and Christianity is so much more than a list of do's and don'ts, but it's not, not a list of do's and don'ts. That's false advertising. That's sort of one perspective, uh, more on one side of the Christian faith. Now nod your head if you've heard this. God cares more about your holiness than your happiness. Oh, my wife had probably never heard this before until I told her. I, I heard this hundreds of times probably in the churches that I grew up in. And God does care for sure. He cares to the death and forever about our holiness. But that's false advertising. So two very popular and very opposing forms of false advertising in the Christian faith about the beautiful work of God in our world 
There are some who claim about the Christian faith that it's not about rules. It's not about commandments. It's only about knowing the person of Jesus. False advertising because it's also about becoming like the person of Jesus. And on the other end, there's people in the Christian faith who claim that God is primarily or exclusively concerned about your behavior with what you do and don't do, not about your happiness or joy. Thank Jesus that's false advertising because Jesus wants to give you life and life in abundance. So what we're going to see today in Ephesians 4 as we uh, continue our study of sanctification is that Paul tells the followers of Jesus to do the right things and not do the wrong things while at the same time helping us understand the good and beautiful reasons that God gives those commandments to his people in the first place. And we're studying, just remember, we're studying this against the backdrop of what we learned last week. Those he foreknew, he predestined to what? To be conformed into the image of Christ. God wants to rescue us from our sin and he wants to restore to us the image of Jesus that we lost. He wants to, uh, God wants to adopt you into his family and he wants to make you whole again in him. So I want you to look for the do passage. So just know that. But as we do it, I want you to look for the do's and the don'ts and for the reasons God wants us to obey him. Just to put my kind of cards on the table, I want you to have the right expectations. There's about 25 minutes left from this moment, 23 to 25. At least 15 of those are not fun, but they're really important and good. So let's kind of have a posture like we want to do every Sunday, but especially what we're about to do. Man, we want to be people who are submissive to God's words that he's given us for our good, okay? So here we go. We're going to read for a long time, beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, of which, and we are an example of that, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith measure of the fullness of Christ. Pause there because God's goal that we saw last week is stated here again, right? Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Christian, we say again, God wants to rescue you and he wants you to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now skip to verse 17. If you care about translations i'm also switching translations now to the csb from the niv for reasons i'm not going to take time to explain here we go verse 17 therefore i say this and testify in the lord you should no longer walk as the gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts they are darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life. The old self that is corrupted, yes, by deceitful desire to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness. Watch. 
the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Guys, that's almost exactly what we saw last week. Still not done. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your angry. And don't give an opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Thieves, stop stealing. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up of someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's holy spirit you were sealed by him for the day of redemption let all bitterness anger and wrath shouting and slander be removed from you along just as god also forgave you in christ <sighs> this is the word of the lord thanks be to god thanks be to god we just let it, we just read a lot of rules and we just read a lot of proof that god loves us so here's what we're going to do we're going to look at the do's, sorry, we're going to look at the don'ts that Paul gives us, then the do's, and then we're going to ask ourselves some questions about the heart of God for us and why we should obey the rules he's given us. So we're going to start with the don'ts. Paul clearly and unapologetically says in verse 17, don't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. So Paul is saying that there is a natural way of living for people who have not accepted the work of Jesus on their, on their behalf, who have not been brought into the family of God through salvation, that Christians are not to live that way anymore. Don't, he says, very clear, don't. The pre-Christian way of life is futile, he says, and we're going to get back to that word in about 12 minutes. Don't do it. And much of what he goes on to describe could be considered really an unpacking of that command. Don't walk as the unrepentant walk. And here's some examples he gives us in verse 25. He says, don't lie. Hey, don't lie. We're a church that focuses a lot on the, it sings a lot. We want to live in light of the finished work of Jesus. I'd say we don't go out of our way to name specific sins. But Paul is, so we'll just go with him. He commands his children not to lie. Verse 26, don't be sinfully angry. Followers of Jesus are not to be angry at the wrong things or to the wrong degree. Also, verse 26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. As a child of God, don't hold on to a heart of unforgiveness. Verse 27 says, don't give the devil an opportunity. That means as a Christian, you shouldn't do anything that would give your enemy a chance to get you to do or think something that God doesn't want you to do or think. Verse 28, don't steal. It's right there. If someone told you that Christianity isn't about rules, they were selling you yogurt with special powers. <laughs> Verse 29, don't use foul language. Verse 30, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. That means that as you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're to obey his leading. Don't do or not do what the Holy Spirit, or anything contrary to the move, movement of the Spirit of God in you. Verse 31, more commands. Don't be bitter. Don't be wrathful. Don't be slanderous. Don't be malicious. So 
Christianity is so much more than a list of do's and don'ts, but it's not not a list of do's and don'ts because those are just the don'ts from just one half of one chapter of the Bible. Paul says in verse 22, do take off your former way of life. This is similar to to the don't that's expressed in verse 17. This is a command to move on from the sins that you experienced before you experienced Jesus. Verse 23, do be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That means that through God's word, through prayer, through fellowship with other believers, walking with other believers, our minds are to be remade to be like Jesus. Verse 24, do put on the new self created in God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Christians are to actively pursue righteousness. Verse 28, do honest work with... Do honest work with your hands. How undeniably prescriptive is that? Verse verse 29, do speak what is good for building up of someone in need. Verse 32, do be kind and compassionate. Do forgive one another. Like that's a lot to get right, right? Guys, I don't mind saying that I didn't really enjoy writing that part of the sermon. And I sincerely doubt Sincerely doubt that while hearing that, you're like, this is my favorite. (laughs) Yes. Because we can all think of ways this week that we failed on that list. I know it. And I don't know all of you. And I know it. So the crowd that falsely advertises Christianity as primarily being about behavior, would be feeling pretty great right now. Like, did you see the size of the list? God's about your holiness. Do the do's. Don't do the don't do's. Just get it together and be holy. But the just, listen, the just be holy approach It doesn't work for very long. Most of us know that at this point. We will never be conformed to the image of Jesus by our own abilities to do and don't. Like if we stopped the message right now and said, hey, these are the commands. We're going to do them. Do the commands and attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You might have a good week. But there's always an expiration date on that approach. I can do the do's is false advertising to your own heart. Maybe this week you can, but not next week. (laughs) Maybe two weeks, but not three. I don't know. Not just by working on the lists. Thankfully, Paul doesn't just give us the lists. He gives us the giver of the lists. Thankfully, becoming like Jesus is our working with God's working. Because Paul didn't just tell us what to do. He helps us remember who. So we've seen these commands in the text. Now we're going to go back through and see the giver of the commands. And we're going to ask three questions about obeying the commands to become like Jesus. And the first question for your heart in light of the do's and don'ts of Christianity, is will you obey God because he's God? And if you're hoping 
that we are now to the easier part to hear? We're not yet, but soon. I need a, like five more minutes. Five more minutes? So I know it's not the best. It's really important. Will you obey God because he's God? Look at verse 17 again. Therefore, I say this and testify in the... Say it again. Lord. Say it again. Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. That's what Paul wrote before this long list of do's and don'ts that we just read. In the Lord, you should no longer walk. That alone can be a first step towards the obedience of becoming like Jesus. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Because remember what the title Lord means? We saw this in our series in Acts a couple of months ago. It means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding, the possessor and disposer of a thing. Remember? That is both awesome and terrifying. The Lord is the possessor and disposer of everything. And when I think about God as the Lord of the universe and the fact that God is the ultimate creator and the ultimate decider of all things, of everything in my life and everything in your life, the first thing that I thought about was Isaiah's encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to look at that, pa at that passage in a lot of detail in about nine months from now, but we're going to remember it briefly. We're going to remember it briefly together. Remember his experience. Isaiah opened his eyes to the power center of the universe. Remember that passage? Isaiah saw the Lord on his throne, right? It's, it's legitimately unimaginable. All the power in the universe, the Bible teaches, is from and through and to the Lord, the Lord on that throne. And that must be true because in the beginning, there was nothing but the Lord. God spoke, and by his unrivaled power, everything that is came into existence. Everything that is only is because he said it could be is. You get it? <laughs> Isaiah was before the throne of the infinite, all-powerful Lord. But that's not all. There was six, if you've read it, there's six winged angels called seraphs. Seraphs means burning because they won't even look at the Lord of the universe. And Isaiah said these seraphim were shouting the entire time, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah saw, Isaiah saw all power. And his response was essentially to say, I'm going to die. That's what he said. Isaiah saw, Isaiah saw the Lord and assumed he shouldn't live. We have no question about whether or not he thought he should obey. The simplest reality is that when you believe God really is the Lord, you obey. <laughs> and then Ephesians 4, 17 says, in the Lord, you should no longer walk in your former ways. Hey, the Lord has some commands for us. It's amazing. The Lord 
to whom all things belong has some things he wants us to do. Now, if you look back at the last verse of Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see the phrase, just as God, right? After the last command that the Lord gave through Paul, Paul be, uh, he says, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So Paul begins this, session, this section with the name Lord. He ends it with the name God. And what's interesting is that this word for God doesn't even really have a helpful definition. It, God means God. It's like, you know who you're talking about when you're talking about God. It's God. One of my favorite quotes from church history is from a guy named St. Anselm, who said, God is the being than which no greater being can be conceived. The being than which no, you can't think of anything more powerful than God. You try it. There's nothing rational that you can conceive of that's more powerful than what already is. God means God, and it could not mean any more than it already means. So as we reflect on obedience, can you remember that the giver of these commands and the commands all throughout Scripture is God? The, give, the giver of the commands is the being than which no greater being can be conceived. The Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. Isn't there, oh, I got a little black problem, I shouldn't jump. Isn't there a small part of you that thinks, shouldn't we just do what we're told? By the Lord of the universe. This isn't a popular. Maybe not, because this is such a this isn't a popular concept today, like it has been throughout most of human history. But remember, the Bible wasn't written in Murfreesboro, Tennessee in 2023. <gasps> right? It was written in a time and a place where duty and obedience were primary societal values. Rather than what's more popular in our day is self-expression, personal fulfillment. But when the Bible was written, kings ruled and subjects obeyed. Think King Leonidas. Shredded. I don't know if the real one was. The movie version was. You're going to stand in that gap and you're going to fight the entire Persian army because that's what you've been commanded to do. Okay? That's literally how it worked. King Herod, my gosh, on and on. Until the last couple hundred years, people bent their knees to kings and obeyed as loyal subjects. And guess what? Jesus agrees. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 17. This is the last thing that I'm going to ask to, like, hear this with a heart of surrender. This is, these are hard words to hear Jesus say. Verse 5 of Luke, 15, Luke 17. Which one of you having a servant tending sheep or plowing will say to him when he comes in from the field, come and sit down and eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat? Get ready and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did what was commanded? In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. I don't know if I've ever had a tear in my eye about duty before. But man, when you remember who he is, 
so hard in this world to remember. But when God gets bigger, duty gets sweeter. When God gets, when our perception of God gets more in line with reality, our desire for duty becomes more beautiful. There is a Lord of the universe. At a very fundamental level, we have a duty. The king says, do this and don't do that. I will speak for me. I want to be conformed into the image of Christ. I want the image of God back. And therefore, I need to obey. And so do you. And therefore, we need to recognize that God is the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, the decider of all. Will you obey God because he's God? You made it. Because... Paul also reminds us that that God is not just God, he's good. Even though godness should be sufficient, his goodness is beyond compare. That's question number two for your heart. Will you obey God because he's a good God? I told you we would come back to the word futility in verse 17. Paul says, in the Lord, you should not walk in the ways of the Gentiles in their futility. You know what futility means. It means lacking truth. It means lacking rightness. Futile means it doesn't work. It doesn't correspond to reality. So what Paul is saying is that the Lord is commanding us, listen to this, don't do the things that don't work. What a beautiful example of the heart of God towards us. Disobeying God's command doesn't work. It isn't good. The master of everything says to us, hey, don't do what is futile. Do what is futile. And failing. And we're still like, no, we will. I will do what is futile and frustrating and failing. The very next verse, verse 18 says, they are darkened in their understanding. Watch excluded from the life of God. Verse 18. So this is a very powerful and very similar thought to futility. Before we come into the family of God, before we've been rescued by Christ, we are darkened in our understanding. We don't understand. And what don't we understand? We don't understand how to have what we most want to have. This is so important for us to, for us to understand God's kindness. We don't know how to have the life of God. We are excluded from it. We don't know how to have the life God wants for us. We don't know how to have good. We don't know how to have good. Look around the world. Ralph Hank just told me right before the service, the great Mick Jagger says, what is it? Can't find no satisfaction? Can't get no satisfaction. I'm not quite in Mick Jagger's age range, I don't think. Which is good for me to remember on the day I have a back problem. <laughs> Last week, go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Unbelievable. God created man and woman. He created us in his image for friendship with him, for satisfaction in him, for wholeness with the world, and what did he say about it? He said it was very good. That's what we want and can't have. That's what our former ways want, right? It just doesn't work. 
That's what the ways of the Gentiles, to use Paul's language, wants in this broken world. We want everything was very good back. And Paul is teaching us that without Jesus, we are darkened in our understanding of very good. We ex we're excluded from the life of God, and the life of God is the only good life there is because God created all there is, and he decided how it could be good. Right? So my girls might not remember this, but when they were much younger, we bought them a giant dollhouse for Christmas, taller than them, by a good bit. They wanted to enjoy it. As parents, we wanted them to enjoy it. That's why we got it. But it came in a million pieces. <laughs> and they weren't going to get to enjoy it without the pieces fitting together the right way. They could have thrown themselves at those pieces for a million years and never built the dollhouse that was designed for them to enjoy. They were darkened in their dollhouse understanding. They needed my help to follow the instructions so that they could experience the good we both wanted for them. To be very clear, in this analogy, we are the children, God is the dad, and the dollhouse is the entire universe. Can your heart remember that God is the designer of this world? He designed everything in it in a specific way for you and I to, to flourish and to have peace and joy in him. He gave us the direction. Hey, God wants to build the castle with you. Can you hear the good heart of God toward you? Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to don't do to have real life. This is the way to be like Jesus. Walk in it. Can we, can we sound like Peter? Where else shall we go? You alone have the words of life. Will you obey God because he's good and he wants good for you? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the good father who wants to give you the dollhouse. And there's more. There's one more. But before I ask the last question, and I've only got half a page left, guys. Three quarters. <laughs> Let's read the last verse of Ephesians 4 again together. Verse 32. <laughs> it's worth it. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. I can't even get to the point this time. Think on that slowly. God, the awesome one, the Lord of the universe, the good designer of real life, forgave you forgave you in Christ just as God also forgave you in Christ. That leads us to the last, best, and admittedly longest question. Will you obey God because he's God? 
Will you obey God because he's a good God? And will you obey God because he's a good God who sacrificed himself so that you could stop doing the things that are futile and be able to do the things that are satisfying and good? It's a little wordier. But can you obey that God? How amazing. Will you obey? Because the being than which no greater being can be conceived was nailed to a cross and killed to save you. Oh, wretched man that we are. Who will save us from this body of death? Praise be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ to give you a life of goodness and abundance. Can you remember as you read the commands that he forgave you in Christ? That's God saying, hey, Christian, you didn't do the do's and you did the don't do's and I forgive you. God says you broke the good rules of the Lord of the universe. And instead of crushing you, I forgive you. And I want to bring you back into my design for your joy in me. Like there's a very real sense in which we broke the dollhouse. We kicked it to pieces. And not only does he not only did he want us to have it back, but he died so that he could help us rebuild the dollhouse we broke. What a Christmas morning that would be. Man, thank you, Jesus. Can you obey when you remember? That God doesn't just command things from you. He died for you. Obey God because he's God. Obey because he's a good God. Obey because he so loved you that he died in your place for your joy. I'm going to pray for us now. And I want to ask you to. Man, I don't know that you need to wrestle all with all three at one point. Which question, which question are you not sure you can answer yes to? That's the one you sit on. Because God wants to conform you into the image of Jesus. He wants to restore to you what you lost. Real life, abundant life. Regardless of the question, if there is any way that we can pray with you as you pray together. We would love to partner with you in prayer. Just come forward. We'll be ready to pray with you about, I mean, anything that's on your heart. We want God to make us like Jesus. And God, we say that together. Please, we know that you are. You promise to do it. One degree of glory to another. God, help us to have joyfully obedient hearts knowing that you are so good, you are so forgiving, you are so gracious. God, I pray that our hearts would be melted by your, your love into a posture of obedience. Hope never happened to us.
They're, you're the best thing that's ever happened to us. Please keep changing us. In the name of Jesus.